I've been a National Guard sniper for most of my adult life. A single mission gone wrong had driven me to hang up my rifle and retire. But when an unknown predator resurfaced in the Middle East, a weapon of terror used by extremists for high-profile assassinations, I was pulled back into the shadows. I was hesitant, still haunted by the face of a fallen comrade from that ill-fated mission. But I knew I couldn't turn my back on the world teetering on the brink of chaos. So I gathered my old team, a group of men as scarred by the past as I was. Navigating the political landscape was like crossing a minefield. Allies could be enemies, and enemies allies. Trust was a luxury we couldn't afford. We had one mission, to eliminate the threat, and we couldn't afford to fail. The Middle East was as hostile and unforgiving as I remembered. Sandstorms, roasting heat, and the constant threat of an enemy strike. But we pressed on, using every bit of our training and experience to track down the Predator. As we closed in, we were forced to confront our past. Memories of our last mission surfaced, the one that had left us broken. The pain was real, but we used it, let it fuel our determination to not repeat the same mistakes. The climax came in the ruins of an ancient city, a fitting battleground for our final confrontation. The Predator was a sniper, just like us, a ghost with a rifle. The duel was tense, a game of patience and precision. We were both shadows, invisible and lethal. But I had something he didn't. I had a team, brothers who had my back. While I kept the enemy sniper engaged, my team flanked him, turning the tables. In the end, it was a single shot that ended it. A bullet that traveled over a kilometer, guided by years of experience and the collective breath of my team. The Predator was no more. We returned home, not as heroes, but as soldiers who had done their duty. The world was safe, at least for now. As for me, I found a sort of peace. I realized that I couldn't run away from my past, but I could learn from it, use it to make a difference. And that's exactly what I intended to do. This is a Bigfoot encounter told to me by my grandfather. It happened in the early fall of 1938. He and his friends did a backpacking trip to a small remote lake near Mount St. Helens. They did this annually. One year they even summited the volcano during their yearly camping trip. This particular year there were five of them. The hike in took a couple of days back then. There weren't as many dirt roads built as there are now. They chose late summer and early fall when the berries were in season and the fish were usually biting well because they did not want to pack much food. It helped to lighten the load of their heavy backpacks. My grandfather was a little over 20 years old during this backpacking trip. After the two-day hike to the lake, they set up camp and decided the next morning that my grandfather and another guy would try to catch some fish. The other three young men would go collect berries. The next morning, they did just that. My grandfather walked to the far side of the lake, and his friend was on the side, nearer to camp. The fish were biting, and he had caught a few, when all of a sudden he started to feel uneasy, as if he were being watched. The hair on the back of his neck seemed to stand on end, and then he got a whiff of a foul rotting stench. He started to look around, and directly behind him, only 20 to 30 feet away, were three giant human-like creatures covered in dark brown hair from head to toe standing at the tree line. My grandfather was a large man, around six feet four, and the smallest of the three creatures was just as tall as him. However, 
It was much wider at the shoulders and much thicker. According to what he was looking at, the next creature was a foot taller, and then the third was even a foot taller than that one, putting each of them at six feet or better. The next one was over seven feet, and the other one was over eight feet tall. He was overwhelmed with adrenaline from fear and panic. He wanted to run, however. These three giants staring at him were blocking the only direction that he could run. The only way he could get away would be to leap into the lake and swim. He decided his best option was to calm down and keep doing what he was doing. He cast in his line and began to fish again. Shortly after that, he caught another nice trout, and while reeling it in it dawned on him that these creatures may be here for his fish. He unhooked the trout and tossed it to them. The smallest of the three stepped away from the tree line and retrieved the trout and brought it back to the other two, so he continued to toss fish to them. The smaller the three Bigfoot continued to retrieve the trout. After a while, he landed a really nice fourth trout. He went to toss it back to them, but they were gone. He then grabbed his equipment and ran around the lake in the direction of the other friend. After finding him, he said that they need to get the hell out of there and began to tell him what happened as they headed back to camp. When they got to camp, the other friends were already there, picking up camp gear and in a hurry. They stated that they ran across three giant hairy creatures while out berry hunting. It took the group only a day to hike back out downhill. They did not know what they had encountered. They had never heard of anything like that in the 1930s since the term Bigfoot had not been known. After that trip, they never went back to Mount St. Helens. They changed the location of their yearly backpacking trip. My grandfather stated it wasn't until the 1967 Patterson or Gimlin Bigfoot film was shown in theaters across the nation that he finally had a name for the three giant creatures he had a close encounter with. My buddy came down to archery hunt deer with me one year. I took him to a spot where I'd had a few decent bucks on camera in a big bowl with a pine thicket right smack in the middle. We set up on the downwind side of the thicket in the same tree. We didn't see much that evening. It got dark and we decided to call it quits and climb down. I got down first and started packing up my climber, and he had just hit the ground when I heard leaves crunching a little ways off, and I said, Shake, listen, and the crunching got closer and closer, and then it was close enough that we could hear it breathing hard. My first thought was bare and I started scrambling for my flashlight. I got it out of my pocket, and by this time whatever monstrous creature we heard was about 20 feet from us. I got my light flicked on, just in time to see my cocker spaniel barreling towards me. I started laughing and turned around to look at my buddy, and he wasn't there. I shined around, nothing. I shined up in the tree we just came out of, and there was my buddy clinging on to that old oak for dear life about 10 feet up. So yeah, that's the story of my 35-pound cocker spaniel treeing my 240-pound best friend. This was a few years ago, in my old house, around Halloween. One day I, 43 male, was home alone in my house. I have a wife, three kids, and a dog. I'm in my basement cutting wood and working, when all of a sudden I hear thumping on the ceiling above me first level floor. It's rhythmic and almost perfectly in beat. I'm a handyman and do a lot of my own fixing and know the usual sound houses make. This was not usual. I start to follow the thumping around the first floor. It's as if someone thing is walking around. 
I call out my wife's name. No answer. My kids. No answer. Just soft moaning is getting louder with the thumps. My dog is with me in the basement and following the sound with me with this tail straight up, completely silent. This was weird because I have a loud, jumpy dog. I then slowly follow the thumping to the steps and I hear a weak old woman's voice calling for Jimmy, my name, but my name does start with a G over and over. Ignoring my hellos, she keeps walking around my first floor, calling out, moaning, thumping. I grab my dog by the collar and leave out the basement door and walk around the outside of my house. Earth noting, I've had a lot of weird supernatural things happen in my life, especially around Halloween, but could feel this was different, very different. I go up to the street and there is a younger couple calling out for someone. Let's say Nancy for the sake of this. I go up to them and say, are you Jimmy? The young guy looks at me in simultaneous relief and confusion crossed his face. He tells me that's his dad's name, but he passed years ago. Turns out Nancy was his mom with some kind of mental issue. She snuck out of their house up the road. Her family lived in my house before we did know that, and she was having some kind of episode. Went looking for her husband in her home. Oh, also, she has a wooden leg. Don't know the story, but that was the thumping. We got her home safely, and I also double-locked my doors from that point on. I've always been the kind of man who thrived in adversity. As a Navy SEAL, it was practically a job requirement. But nothing could have prepared me for the icy, relentless wilderness of the Arctic. Our mission was simple on paper. Secure a downed satellite containing sensitive technology before it fell into the wrong hands. But in practice, it was far from simple. We weren't alone out here. A team of mercenaries hired by some shadowy organization was hot on our heels. The mission turned into a deadly game of cat and mouse. Each move we made was countered. Each trail we left was followed. The Arctic didn't care who we were or what our mission was. The weather was harsh and unforgiving. Blizzards reduced visibility to almost zero. The bitter cold seeped into our bones no matter how much gear we wore. Our supplies dwindled faster than we anticipated. Every ration, every bullet, every piece of equipment became a lifeline. We had been trained for situations like this. Survival, evasion, resistance, escape. The core principles of SEER training echoed in our minds. But it was more than just training. It was our sheer willpower and determination that kept us going. The mercenaries were relentless. They had the advantage of superior numbers and seemed to always be one step ahead. But we were SEALs. We were trained to fight it against the odds. We managed to locate the satellite in a remote ice cavern. The mercenaries descended upon us like a pack of wolves. Gunfire echoed off the icy walls, turning the cavern into a deadly echo chamber. We fought back, utilizing our training and the harsh environment to our advantage. Ice became cover, snow became a blinding weapon, the howling wind masked our movements. One by one, we neutralized the threat. With the enemy dealt with, we secured the satellite. It was a small victory, but a victory nonetheless. We were battered, exhausted, and still miles from our extraction point. But we had completed our mission. The journey back was a test of endurance. Our bodies screamed for rest, for warmth. But we knew we couldn't stop. Not yet. 
When the rescue chopper finally appeared on the horizon, it was the most beautiful sight I had ever seen. We were going home. As I sat in the chopper, looking out over the vast, unforgiving wilderness, I couldn't help but feel a sense of pride. We had faced the harshest conditions, a relentless enemy, and our own personal demons. But we had prevailed. We were SEALs, and we never left a mission incomplete. I lived in the tri-state area of Virginia. I had a lot of strange experiences in the woods that surrounded the property I grew up on. Now that I'm older, I'm just now realizing how weird these experiences are. Two of them stick out hardcore in my mind as super weird. My first experience I was wandering in the woods across from my house. I loved going up there and doing and finding things like old bottles, rocks, and just whatever caught my attention, you know, dumb kid stuff. I however did notice the bones. Multiple large piles of bones. I just figured that some hunter had just left the carcasses out in the woods. It was turning dark, and I was heading back home, but I heard something behind me whispering my name. The voice was raspy and sounds broken in a weird way. I started running back in the direction of the house. Sound of footsteps followed me to the edge of the woods. A road ran in between my house and the woods. I turned around and looked back. I saw what looked like a dark shadow darting back into the woods. The second one is much more scary to me as I was older and remember it much more clearly. It was late at night. My mom wasn't home at this as she was at a party and was going to be hanging out there for a few days that summer break. It was the middle of the night I had been spending it on the computer watching YouTube. I had gotten up to get something from the kitchen to drink. As I was coming back, I heard my pet bloodhound scratching and howling on the outside of the door to be let in. Our house was fenced in, so when she needed to go out, I'd just let her out and close the door, waiting for her to scratch at it to be let back in. I hadn't remembered letting her out, but I figured I had just forgotten about it. As I was about to unlock and open the door, I heard growling from behind. I had let her out, but had let her back in just few hours ago before dark. She and the other dogs were standing behind me, growling at the door fully ready to attack what was on the other side. I noticed that the scratching had stopped, but the howling had distorted sounding more like broken version of it. I heard whatever was at the door run off. I tried to look out the window to see what was there. All I saw was two yellow glowing eyes staring back at me from those woods. Nowadays I would have chalked all this up to a vivid imagination, but I've never been able to imagine things as I have a Fantasia so I have absolutely no clue to what this was. I figure it was a skinwalker, because I remember hearing that the local national park that would always pay actual Indians to travel up from, I think, Arizona to take part of the reenactment. But I don't know that's why I'm posting it here, to see what you guys think. Although I no longer live here, mostly because of what happened this experience has always stuck with me, and the near thought of it leads me to many sleepless nights. Not the scariest thing, but strikes me as out of the ordinary. I used to live in pretty much the middle of nowhere, in the corner of Wyoming, about two miles away from a town with a couple hundred people inhabiting it. My father had always been a very hard-working, self-disciplined man, and so he wanted me to be like him and he would always send me out to perform chores around our somewhat industrialized cabin. Nearby, within viewing distance, there was a poorly maintained walking trail near a river. 
We never really saw anyone walking it, and we weren't sure how it wasn't completely overgrown. This particular night, my father sent me out to water the garden, which was conveniently placed pretty far away from the house, just across the trail, and so I had left the house with the water. I am a pretty tough guy when facing animals other people, and real life scares, but paranormal things have always shook me to my core. As I am traversing the lightly bushed plains, I spot a small, flickering light in the distance. At first I brush it off, but I soon realized that the light was moving closer to me, and it seemed to be going along the trail. I had never once seen anything other than the occasional squirrel travel that trail, but here the light came. I decided to crouch down behind a bush, because around the area, most people weren't very friendly, and usually had very little social interaction. First sense was sight, seeing the light. Then I began to hear thudding coming from the same direction. The thud became a gallop, and I immediately knew it was a horse. The place where I was may have been old-timey, but people didn't usually ride horses. As I am crouched in the bushes, only about age 12, I am scared to death. This is around 2 in the morning, and nobody should be out. And nobody is ever really out in general around here. As the horse approached, it finally turned the bend, and I see a somewhat small, pretty young girl riding the horse. She was wearing an 1800s-style faded green dress, a hat, and holding a torch. She was riding pretty fast, and had been looking back every couple seconds and screaming father. But since I knew it was a young lady, I decided to step out of the bushes and say hello. Are you alright? I said. She sped up, even more. The horse seemed out of control, and she just sped past and she was gone as soon as she came. The torchlight faded out of sight and I continued my journey to water the garden, hearing her screams for her father slowly get more quiet and fade into the darkness of the Wyoming forests. For some reason, little me didn't find it odd that a young girl was riding a horse alone in the pitch darkness of a Wyoming forest with an 1800s-style dress and a torch at two in the morning in an area with pretty much no people. I was a dim child. When I arrived home, my dad was fast asleep and so I decided to wait until the morning to tell him. When the morning arrived, I told him about the girl, and he said the exact same thing happened to him less than a decade ago. The same girl, same clothes, same torch, same horse, screaming father. What my dad said sent a shiver down my spine, and I will always remember the strange girl, probably a ghost riding past me in the middle of nowhere. Never heard of it. Again. But my childhood friend who was in the area did say that he remembers some sort of legend with something to do with a girl and a horse. But other than that, I have no idea what happened. Maybe I'll never know. I'm not sure what to call this thing. All I know is that it is nowhere near human. If I remember correctly, my first encounter with it was when I was around 10 or 12. I'm turning 20 in four days. It's all fuzzy. That's what I do remember is that at the time, I was we were one in the state of California, two playing hide and seek outside with a few of my friends for privacy's sake. We will just call them Ray and Finn. It was already pretty late. I'd say about 6.47 p.m. It was in the autumn, so sun was practically gone by this time. It was Ray's turn to seek me and Finn decided to run off together since we both didn't really like the dark all that much. A phones with lights were still pretty expensive, so none of us had one. 
only thing we had was one of those old shake lights that you have to shake to charge. Anyways, it had been about ten minutes since the round started. Ray got close, but never close enough to find us. It was funny for a bit until me and Finn heard it. It sounded like a low growl, like a wolf, but just deeper and more messed up kinda like it was sorta underwater. I remember when we heard it. We both yelled and ran out running to Ray. Ray. Oh, there you guys. Why do you guys look scared? At the moment, me and Finn were pretty scared and shaken up and we just wanted to get out of there. We kind of looked at each other in silence, then grabbed Ray by the shoulder and guided him out, not daring to look back. And honestly, the only reason I didn't look back was because I swore I could hear it following us. We barely got any sleep that night, especially when the house was old, and just wouldn't stop making those creepy sounds you always hear at the worst times possible. I believe it was around 6.33am when I decided to try to get sleep. I went to wash my face off in the bathroom. I shit you not while washing my face. I saw it behind me. The only details I could get in that moment before I freaked out is that it had blood red eyes and its body was like pure black. At that point, I knew damn well that I wasn't going to be able to sleep. So I turned on the TV and just watched some cartoons for the rest of the day trying to keep whatever I saw out of my head. Fast forward a week and we kind of have forgotten it. Already out in the forest playing the game once more. This time we were out till 7 or 7.25 p.m. It was around that time. I just held the shake light close making sure to keep it charged as I wandered around looking for Ray and Finn. But instead of finding them, I found it instead whatever the fit was. Because of how dark it was and its black body I could barely make out any features didn't help that it was looming over a dead deer eating at the carcass. It didn't even care that it ate the bones as well. What I could make out with the light, and because of the blood, was that it had a reptilian-like jaw. Not like a snake or a lizard. Honestly, it was more like what you see on a dragon yet. Its teeth and the amount it had were just uncanny. I was frozen with fear for a bit, but when it realized I was there, I dropped the light and ran for my damn life, yelling for Ray and Finn to get out as well. I thought it was following me, but it was just Ray and Finn catching up to me. As we all ran inside, they tried to ask me what the EF happened, but I honestly was too scared to even talk, just hugging them both glad that they made it out and away from that thing. I didn't get much sleep that night as well. Honestly, I'm surprised I got any sleep, but now. I regret even laying down that night since when I woke up, I was in a paralysis-like state, unable to move and struggling to breath. Whatever I saw in the forest was right at the foot of my bed, crouching down just to fit into my room, so it had to be at least eight feet, if not taller. The morning light kinda revealed that I was correct about the dragon-like face, while dragon mixed with a bit of wolf. I could kinda hear something dripping as it slowly inched up onto the bed. Umtros, I was scared shitless and completely immobile. It got right above my face, its mouth slightly open like it was going to eat me. It just sat there like that for eternity, but suddenly it lunged, and I finally broke free and yelled. After a second of just screaming, I realized I was still alive and that my mother had come to check up on me. Seeing how scared I was, she ran over to make sure I was okay. All I could do was sit there shaking out of terror, and the only thing that anything had happened was a huge print on my bedsheets. It was kind of black like ink, but was quickly disappearing. From that day on, it just kept getting worse. I had horrific night terrors, constantly had sleep paralysis, 
where I would see him take many forms. Fast forward a half of a year, we hit our breaking point. Me, Ray and Finn are having a sleepover at my house, just playing Minecraft since it was still new, and we love building games. It was around 4.54pm and dinner had just gotten done when we heard it. A loud thud on the roof that slowly became scratching as low demonic like growls followed the scratching. At this point, my dad has had enough and grabbed two guns asking Finn to follow, since he was the oldest out of us three. Fifteen, at the time almost sixteen. They went outside to see what the hell it was themselves and to see if they could kill it once for all. It kind of started to rain a bit when they went outside and me and Ray were not allowed near the door since my dad didn't want it to be able to lung down and take us. But as a minute turned into almost 20 minutes, slowly hearing them get louder, and louder practically yelling at whatever it was. I was about to open the door when Ray pulled me away and I heard two gunshots, then three more as my dad is yelling screaming. After a moment, he ran inside slamming the door, close and locking it just breathing heavily. Finn was nowhere to be seen and we kinda just thought of the worst since dad did kinda have a bit of blood on him. His leg was sorta broken, as well. The bone was showing. Almost made me puke on the spot. Dad is kinda fine now since he had an implant, but for Finn we were right to think the worst. Because I recently learned that yes, Finn indeed died that day. They have yet to find his body and dad just has not been the same. The next day I had to say bye to Ray since dad just couldn't handle being in that house anymore and we moved all the way to Washington as soon as we could. We have been here since, but I think it followed us. On my late night walks, I can sometimes hear something following me and my dad just doesn't want me to talk about it. The only details I have gathered from my dad about the creature is that it's nine feet tall, has dragon-like wings, wolf dragon-like head, its body was dripping like ink tar, and it had spikes down its back. It's hard to talk to dad about any other details because he's just gone down a road drinking. But honestly, I think it's back and I'm scared. I don't want anyone to die again and I don't want to move once more. And I get that I didn't really see it myself, but it still scars me and I still have sleep paralysis and nightmares about it. I am living very rural in a small village with maybe 10-15 houses, but close to the highway. You can drive there within maybe 5 minutes, and also about 10 minutes away from the town. If you cross the street, it just takes you about 10 minute walk to reach the forest. First Christmas Day. In the afternoon, my partner and I decided to go for a little digestive walk, as we were really stuffed from all the food. It was about 17 and already dark when we left, and we had a big and bright LED flashlight with us. I also took my camera and my flash, as I love taking pictures of nature at night. We decided to walk on a little country road towards the forest and then turn right, following a small graveled cycle track close to the forest border, which connects our village and the next maybe 15-20 minutes walk between villages. In the middle part of the track, you have to walk through a small bit of forest. It's rather dark and the trees are very high and quite dense. When we entered, I saw our flashlight reflecting on something and recognized a car being parked there on the side of the track, close to the trees. This struck me as odd, as cars are not allowed to drive there. And the path is very narrow and hidden, so I was a bit cautious. My partner pointed the light inside of the car, and it seemed to be empty. 
I also noticed the windows were frozen, so it must have been parking there for a while. A bit in front of the car, I spotted a tree with an intriguing structure, and I asked my partner to point the flashlight towards it, so I could focus better and photograph it with my flash. After I took a few images, my partner told me, mm -hmm. There is someone standing behind us, in the middle of the road. He is looking at us. Nobody was following us the whole way. I kept looking around and behind us occasionally, because at this time in the evening and close to the border of the forest, there are boars sometimes in its mating season, so they are more aggressive than usual. Indeed, there was a man standing behind us, staying out of the flashlight's reach. He wasn't saying anything, just standing there and facing us. At first, I thought he might be startled, as it may seem a bit weird if someone's just taking photos around your car. It was not even legal to drive on that path with the car. I decided to get up and confront him from a distance, explaining to him that I was just taking photos of that tree. He didn't react and still just stood there. I then went on to ask him if he needed some light, and he replied that this wasn't necessary. It was odd, but I was still calm, sure about there being a normal explanation for his behavior. Nonetheless, my partner and I decided to just get the F out and followed the path leading to the next village. It was maybe five, seven mine until we reached. I remembered the letters on his license plate, not the numbers though, unfortunately, and googled it. And it turned out that he was from a city about six away from our village. Mind you, the country I live in is in a very strict lockdown right now, so you are only allowed to travel even by car, if you have very urgent reasons. After we reached the first lantern of the next village, we looked back and observed the car driving a bit out of the forest, turning around, and going back inside. I was able to see that he parked there again, and turned the lights off. He didn't leave the forest. We then went home on a much longer way than initially intended, as I didn't want to go back there for obvious reasons. Our flashlight battery died on the way, and my phone battery was low, so I didn't want to call the police back then, but I called them as soon as I arrived home and gave them all the details big regret that I didn't memorize the whole license plate, but it was just so surprising that I seriously didn't think about it. Also, it only occurred to me as really strange when I thought about the frozen windows and that he could impossibly have walked behind us, plus him having no light and not responding. He did seem to be sneaking up on us when I sat down to take the photo. I think I was very lucky to have my partner, the camera, and the bright light with me. I don't want to imagine what could have happened if I was alone. So, creepy guy sneaking around in the forest. Let's not meet. Edit. When I told my housemate, she theorized that he may have been spying on the houses very close to the forest border, as you can easily look into their backyards. Without being seen, you have to walk a bit up the hill and further, about five minutes. I think it's likely. I had the thought of photographing the car when I entered the forest part of the path, but somehow I felt unwell about it and decided to not do it, despite it being an interesting scene. In hindsight, I believe this saved me, as he must have hidden behind the trees close to the car and forest entrance. If he was really planning a burglary, or worse, dumping a body... I think it's not unlikely he may have attacked me if he realized I had a potential photo of his car with a recognizable license plate.